You're listening to The Luxury Item, the podcast on the business of luxury and the people and companies that are shaping the future of the luxury industry. Here's your host, Scott Kerr. High-end coffee table books have experienced a boost in popularity over the past 20 years, in large part due to the passion and dedication of a small circle of upscale publishers. One of those publishers is Asseline. Founded in France by Martine and Prosper Asseline in 1994, the company has managed to maintain its footing by publishing books that are intended to be just as much a luxury brand as watches at Cartier. Over the past 28 years, Asseline has published more than 1,500 books and has collaborated with some of the world's most renowned names in the fields of art, fashion, photography, and lifestyle to create a collection of timeless books. Some releases are hand-bound, packaged in a linen clamshell case, and shipped with a canvas tote bag. Others feature packaging that corresponds with the book's subject. My guest today on the luxury item is Alex Asseline, Chief of Operations, Brand and Strategy at Asseline Publishing, and son of Prosper and Martine Asseline. Assuming a number of key roles since he started working in the family business, Alex plays an essential part in strategizing and expanding Asseline's business development while overseeing the company's umbrella of key departments including marketing, communications, wholesale, retail, logistics, and digital. In addition, Alex has inaugurated Asseline's curated library service in which he works closely with clients to visualize, design, and curate bespoke libraries. Welcome to The Luxury Item, Alex. Thank you, Scott. I'm really happy and, and honored to be part of this season. Yeah, me too. Happy New Year. So Happy we just yeah, we just wrapped up the holiday season, which is a popular time for coffee table books as gifts. So how were sales this year? It was uh it was good. I cannot say it was you know exceptional because you know I have a lot of uh, friends and hospitality and things like this, and it's been very impacting them. But for us, we we did well, we are developing the company uh really well in the past two years of, of the pandemic. Um, because it helped us to recenter a little bit on, on our uh, development and, and, uh, and focus. Uh, but sales were good. We're mainly driven by, you know, the travel series that, that we made a big push for the past two years. Mm-hmm. A big campaign called Travel From Home because people were not uh, able to, to, to travel that much. Uh, so these, you know, these colorful books that uh, I'm sure you've seen uh, everywhere. So very happy about that. And, you know, the ultimate collection. What were the top sellers? Um, so on that ultimate collection, which is, you know, all the, these, uh, these big tomes, uh, handcrafted where the, the Chanel, the Rolex, you know, a lot of potion brands, but mostly the two new ones that we came out with were the impossible collection of yachts. Yachts. Uh, yeah. Yachts. Sales were great. Um, we opened the pop-up at the Bon Marché as well, mm-hmm. very new for us because it was centered on the travel series. More and more, we start to open uh, pop-ups everywhere around the world, just, you know, on, on this little concept um, and seeing very good traction and new markets. Did you notice that any of the most popular books, because people were in lockdown, essentially, more of escape books? Exactly. I mean, as, as I pointed out earlier, the, this travel series has been, uh, has been very, very good to us because it enables us to, to reach new markets um, reach new demographics and, you know, age groups and everything because it, it touches everyone. It, it really, you have 300 pages 
on a specific destination where you can dream to be there, mm -hmm. uh, plan your next uh, getaway, and, and, and just remember, you know, past ones as well, by still having a, a, a beautiful object uh, home decor with a, with a vibrant cover. So, so this has been a big push, and not just for us, but, you know, industry-wise, um, travel books have been, have been really, uh, really popular, I would say, in the past uh, few months. Asseline Publishing was founded by your parents in the mid-90s. So what inspired them to start a luxury book company? Where did they see the business opportunity? So they frankly did not. Um, you know, as every big you know, luxury brand, it, it's driven by passion. Um, so as you explained, Philosopher started as, you know, uh, in advertising and, and making catalogs for Galerie Lafayette or, or major luxury brands as well. Um, so he, he had this knowledge about printing and, and, uh, and publishing, not mm -hmm. just copy to books. But they started traveling together and, you know, newly married and, and enjoying life. And, and they were going a lot to this, uh, this hotel in the south of France called La Colombe d'Or. And they just decided to, to make a, a book out of it. She, she uh, wrote the text, uh, he took the, the pictures and they decided to do something based on you know, their relationship with uh, the printer and this and that. And it, it went very well, it was well acclaimed. So they did a second one after with uh, Alaya uh, because they were good friends on like a, a show in 1992, mm -hmm. as I remember. And, and that went really well as well and, and very uh, well received by the public. So then they started a third one and a fourth one and a whole collection about, you know, the memoir collection about the legendary fashion houses uh, with like a little hundred page book, inexpensive. Um, and that went really well as well. So it really was driven by passion. And when did it start becoming a serious business? When that memoir collection started really being uh, developed internationally, um, they started working with, you know, co-publishing at the time with other publishers and everything to be able to reach new markets. Um, so they were making the book, but, you know, they were partnering with a, a local publisher to be able to distribute it in some ways. And, uh, and yes, it, it was multiple languages and was uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of units in total of this collection as well. So th that really uh, pushed them to, to, to develop a publishing company. Yeah. And over time, they, you know, they built it into a lifestyle luxury brand, one that offers not only beautiful books, but started expanding out to different products like scented candles and stationery and furniture and more. So Asseline is self-described as the first luxury brand devoted to culture and lifestyle. So what, what does that mean? So it's, it's, it's simple to us. It's terms that we really use. Um, we really see ourselves as a luxury brand because we are very different from you know, uh, the industry in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, the way we portray ourselves, the way we the way we distribute our products, the way we we craft them as well, and all of this is delivering culture. Okay, um, every book we do, it's about a certain angle um, of a certain subject. All this together is culture. So the way we present it, the way we make something, uh, will you know ultimately like bring it together. And Asseline isn't the only publisher that plays in the high-end coffee table book arena. You know, rival houses like Rizzoli and Tashin and others specialize in these lavishly produced books. So how does Asseline uniquely position itself in this territory? So 
I have a lot of respect for, the, for all the, the other publishing houses. Um, I'm a big uh, collector as well. Um, but we are all very different in our own way. Tashan is very good for a certain side um, uh, of the market, Rizoli as well. And, and us, we're really trying to develop not just, uh, as we explained before, a lifestyle brand. You know, So mm -hmm. we're bringing uh, objects, we're bringing uh, candles, and we're trying to do um, the best comfortable books there is today with the highest level of craftsmanship there is as well. So on the we're like the luxury end of uh, of publishing, I would say. There's also like subject matters and, and, and themes, you know. Tashan has a lot of like accessible um, books on art, for example. They're really good for, you know, uh, educational purpose on that. Mm -hmm. Us, what, what we come with, and, and that's really the students touch, um, is the sense of uh, style and angle that, that we bring to a subject matter. Uh, we do a book on uh, Frida Kahlo, for example. We are going to not just do the book on the paintings, we're going to take the, the fashion angle of it. So we released a, a title a few years ago that was exactly about that. Um, it brings how she impacted fashion and how she was impacted by fashion through her paintings. And that to me is, is the real explanation about, about our uniqueness, about how we do things differently with our own perspective and our sense of sight. Do you find Aceline is also competing against traditional luxury goods? Let me tell you straightforward, absolutely. And this is how we are developing the brand. You know, this is a, a luxury piece of uh, home decor. Uh, we see it as really uh, the, the finest accessory in that realm. Um, and, and, and in terms of gifting as well, as you can see, uh, more and more you're starting to see, uh, you know, our, our shopping bags under the tree uh, during Christmas, you know. Uh, it's, it's a real uh, luxury piece of, of gifting, and that's very important, but also for yourself. And let's talk about you. So when did you enter the family business? I entered six years ago. And what did you do? What was your first role there? So I actually entered two years prior to that as a graphic designer mm -hmm. um, because I, you know, I, I went to school for marketing and I went to school for graphic design and I did a bunch of uh, other diplomas in, uh, in uh, digital and uh, finance and everything uh, afterwards. But so I, I started as a graphic designer uh, in the design team, um, working on layouts, and that was really a passion of mine. I was so interested in learning every day in different books and, and really deep diving in these projects. So that was uh, phenomenal for me. And then after I was sent to London uh, as a project manager, basically, to, to open the, our flagship store in London, mm -hmm. which was a fantastic experience uh, with a fantastic team uh, in place there. I spent about four or five months there until everything was up and running. Then I went to work in uh, consulting at uh, Martin Trav Associates in New York, work on business development or uh, franchising licensing, mostly in the Middle East, which was uh, phenomenal for me because it, it trained me really. Uh, and then I went back to the family business in, as I said, in 2016, where I started uh, the marketing department and taking over the digital operations. Yeah, I was saying, and you were recently appointed to chief of operations, brand and strategy. So what are you tasked with now in your new role? So I spent three years on the digital 
front, uh, yeah. you know, uh, building it from scratch and after started to jump on, you know, wholesale and distribution and then taking over retail. And as of, you know, the past three years, I've had uh, all the, 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 the departments uh, mm-hmm. under my, my wing and as a vice president. And last month I was appointed chief of operations brand strategy where now, you know, um, I can start developing more and, and, and talking about strategies and, you know, new ventures for us, new, uh, new product, new collaborations, new, new distribution, new development for the company. So what's next? You know, how, right. how do we stay uh, very relevant still by making you know, the most uh, uh, beautiful books and, and, uh, and, uh, and getting to objects around the world. Um, so yes, now it's, everything is going smoothly and I'm just taking care of what's next. Buying an illustrated book isn't like buying a mystery novel. You know, you'd better appeal to a passionate fan. How do you decide the subject matter to publish? And how do you create a book that enthusiasts of that subject will actually fall in love with? So we have the luxury of being uh, still a family business, um, operated uh, fully. So what we do there is that we can select the the books we're going to create and the subject matter we're going to treat. So every time we butt into a project, we're going to spend about a year, so 12 to like 16 months working on that project. Because it takes about eight months to a year to actually make produce the book from a finish to end. But that's what is the whole aspect of distribution, which actually is uh, is never ending. But the whole big um, push and, and marriage with that, with that uh, project is about 12 to 14 months. We will only really do books that we want to do, things that interest us. You know, there's a, a lot of, uh, of uh, submissions as well, of uh, people coming with, you know, interested in this idea of doing this book, or us who just, you know, want to cover a theme, or, or we love this architect, for example, and, and we think that it deserves like a beautiful book. So we will start this project. So it's really a gut feeling. For now, it's absolutely a gut feeling. Um, and and the, the, the clients and you know, our community have been, uh, have been really loving what we've been uh, delivering for the past few years, at least. Um, so we're keeping that, that direction. It's, it, it's, uh, it's our angle, you know, every time that, that becomes interesting and our way to treat a certain subject that becomes interesting to our client. And we are really uh, the only publisher that works solely in collections. So we, we have five different collections that we work on. Mm-hmm. And for example, let's take the, 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 the travel series, okay? Uh, you like one, you're going to that one. Because the way it's being worked on, it's being thought through, is the same for uh, the Mykonos one and uh, the uh, Dubai one. You know, of course, it's a lot of changes and, and, uh, and uh, it's a very different like, subject matter. But the way it's being made, the, the way it's being formalized is, is the same. We work with the same uh, designer internally, the same editors internally, um, and, and, and the layout structure. So the, the, the sense of style becomes uh, the same in the same direction. 
And Asseline's ultimate line is a series of these oversized masterpiece anthologies. They're, they're gorgeous, you know, hand-stitched, hand-tipped coffee table tombs that includes things like, you know, the impossible collection of wine and the impossible collection of jewelry, but also luxury brands like Chanel, Yves Saint Laurent and Rolex. Are these books commissioned by these brands? So for the ultimate collection, they are not. Um, for the collection, for sure, we, we, we work with the brands directly um, to you know, celebrate the heritage and, and just uh, develop for an anniversary, for example. But for the ultimate collection, most of the time, and that's you know, 90% of the time, we do not work with the brands. Because you know, it's, it's, it's a big bet for these uh, very uh, oversized books. Um, they're all made by hand in Italy, you know, uh, every images is, uh, is hand glued on the pages, on, on fine quality paper, um, the, the, the book is, is bound by hand, uh, I mean, you, you see and then come in a beautiful timeshell that comes with, uh, you know, the craziest material we can find as well. So most of the time, no, they're not commissioned by, by the brands. Um, we work with the brands, of course, to make sure that we stay true to, to their values. And most of the time, they're very, very pleased with the outcome and, uh, and, uh, and then participate with us with the promotion of it. Do they end up purchasing a portion of the print run for themselves? Sometimes, absolutely. Because yeah. we'll never do something that go against their, their values and, uh, and, and their brand. So it's really, as I said, an ode to, 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 to this beautiful brand. So every time we try to do the, the best work possible to celebrate them. And they're usually very pleased with us. How much of uh, your business comes from the Impossible Collections? Uh, about uh, 30%. 30%. You know, print magazines have sputtered for years. Their monopoly on readers and advertising has been erased essentially by Facebook, Google, and more nimble online competitors. And luxury brands have continued to cut their print advertising budgets and reallocating them to digital. You know, the pandemic only accelerated that shift. Has Asseline benefited from those luxury brands still looking to invest some of those marketing dollars in a lavish and beautiful targeted print environment? Instead of doing, you know, uh, three or four big advertising in, in, in the magazine, which, as, as you pointed out, um, is, is in the decline. Uh, on the print side, they are able to to work with us to develop beautiful books on with their name on the heritage, but also with a, a clear messaging of a three hundred page book, you know, with a clear messaging to to deliver that to all of their clients, to have on their coffee table, to be able to see the brand name all the time, and to be able to to um, to explore it um, when they want as well. To really right. understand what the company is about, the, the ethos of it, and uh, and yeah, and, and, and that that has been really important uh, for the brands in the past few years. So I, I really see um, a push on that direction, the digital front for them, and and the actual uh, uh, bigger physical front with uh, with our titles. And brands also commission you to create books for specific occasions or milestones or just celebrating the brand itself and not necessarily luxury brands too. So which brands have you worked with on these types of projects? We work with a, a lot of uh, luxury brands in general. We are very picky in, uh, in who we decide to work with as well. Um, because again, you know, 
this brand is going to be next to the other ones as part of our collections. But every time a brand has, again, a message, a clear and interesting message to say. So whether it's, it's uh, an anniversary or just something that they, they really uh, feel strongly about as, as a new type of, of communication for them is interesting. So, so we start uh, developing that. You learn a lot about the heritage of them Mm-hmm. That, that you don't know before. And, and, and the big uh, challenge is, is to, to convey that as much as possible through the images, graphics, and also the text, um, because it's, it's really, really interesting. Do you have a favorite project? On a, a book on Chipuro. Uh, Aldo Chipuro was uh, the designer that did the iconic uh, clue and the love bracelets and mm-hmm. the created a whole collection. And, and, and that's something very interesting that, you know, Cartier came with, with this, uh, this project saying, okay, we want to work uh, on, on a book about Chipotle. It's not about going to be about Cartier, but it's going to be about uh, this iconic designer. And this is something that then you start, you know, working on 200 pages for a year to, to understand really uh, how this guy sh- sh- shook up a little bit, you know, the, the, the industry and, mm-hmm. and, and that, that's what's interesting because we do about 60 books a year next, I mean, this year in 2022, we're going to be doing a, about a hundred every day. I learned something new and that's what's thrilling about, about what I'm doing today. And last year you spearheaded a really interesting collaboration between Asseline and Zara Mann to create this summer capsule collection. Can you talk about that collaboration and how it came about? So it came about as uh, them reaching out on the uh, customer service email. And at the time I was handling that email, took, uh, I took a look at it and I, I didn't know if it was uh, real or not, but I started <laughs> having a conversation with them and, and like to, to understand really what they wanted to do and, and what interested them on that, because we're still a very small company, you know, and they're one of the, one of the biggest in, in volume. So I wanted to understand what what was the purpose of, uh, of, uh, of them reaching out and, uh, and the idea on, on uh, this aspect of collaboration. We spent about six months discussing and also discussing internally saying, do we want to do that or not? You know, it's, it's a brand alignment that is very different because we really portray ourselves as a luxury brand and they are the opposite of that but they have a very important reach as well. I started working with them on, on, on the designs and it, it just made sense. Uh, it just made sense. And I was able to control a lot of the design. So I, I worked with their designers to design this collection. We did mm-hmm. nine pieces. Um, that did, we did three t-shirts, a shirt, bathing suit, towel, bags, you know, and so on. That was super well received. So I really wanted to do Zara men and not Zara women because most of our uh, customer base is women, and it's, let's say, above uh, 35. The Zara men demographics is exactly the opposite. It's men uh, under 35, you see? Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting for us to work with them to acquire and to have more visibility into uh, a new customer base, but by doing something really fun, shaking up a little bit uh, this aspect of luxury and mass, but by doing a, a beautiful product 
with, I have to say, impeccable uh, quality compared to, you know, what, what I would imagine. They did something really well. And I was very pleased by seeing the samples. We launched it a year after we had our first uh, uh, discussion uh, from their email. And it was really well received. Was a book created as well? No, it was just a collection. We wanted to do something super fun uh, with the travel series and launch it hmm. uh, during the summer. So that, and it, it's, it came about very quickly. Uh, they call it fast fashion for a reason. Uh, they were an incredible team to work with. And I'm, I'm very happy we did that. It's not something that we would do ongoingly, but as a capsule collection dropped uh, around the travel series, it was, it was something very, very interesting for us and helped us uh, uh, enter in, in new markets. So what we decided to do as well is enter um, in Zara home for that period of time um, to be able to have our titles just for the travel series, to have this full aspect of storytelling in all the Zara home stores, which are very nice as well um, around the world. So very, very happy uh, we did that. And in terms of collaborations, yes, we, we've done a few as well in the past few years. We've done one uh, with uh, Goyard, one with Oliver Peoples, one with La Durée, uh, one with Gucci. And, uh, and yes, and this is, um, this is an important one as well. Uh, very happy. You know, one of the interesting branches of your business is designing and curating libraries and homes and commercial businesses. How did Asseline get into the business of curating libraries? Um, it was in 2017. Uh, I just started uh, working for, for, for the family business. And uh, I was at lunch with, you know, a few people and a few new people that, that I just met. And one of them was uh, uh, someone that became a great friend afterwards called uh, Daniel Naftali from the Naftali group uh, who are real estate developers um, and very well implemented in, in, in New York. And at the time, you know, we exchange a, a few words and what do you do, what do you do? And uh, she was just working on a, on a building in the West Village in New York and had a room that was, um, you know, a common area, uh, amenity that was empty. And she told me, uh, we'd love to do a library there. Can you do it? And it just made sense. So I started doing it and I actually took a lot of pleasure doing it. So it was super interesting to curate the books. Um, but on top of that, finding, you know, vintage objects and vintage books, and artifacts there that to put in the shelves uh, to bring more character to it, not just mm -hmm. assuming books and, you know, that, that you can be in touch with the sales team for that. Um, and it was really well received as well, you know, for, for, for that. And as a first project, that was great. And then they started communicating on it as well, um, on, on that amenity room uh, on the building. And, and it was well received. And then I, I had a few more uh, people reaching out. And that started just a full department for, for the company. So when you interview so, the, the library clients, like what kind of questions do you ask them? So it, it, it depends if it's uh, developers, you know, because if it's an amenity for luxury uh, residential building, or if it's a hotel, or if it's uh, just a private uh, client. I spend a lot of time with them, about two hours, just understanding who are going to be the tenants. 
what's the demographic? What's their interest? What kind of you know colors do they do they uh, do, do do they want the tones to be? Um, so I spent a lot of time doing that. Then I spent some time on the research about neighborhoods and, and just understanding a bit more about, about the whole project, architects, uh, inspirations of the architect or the interior designer in general. And, and after, after, you know, after two, three weeks, um, I started developing a, a bit of a plan and, uh, yeah. and drafting it. I do all, all size projects. I mean, there's a minimum uh, uh, project that I, I take in terms of size, of course, but um, it's, it's, it's really thrilling to do that. So I, it, it's something that I still do uh, directly. So of course I work with, uh, with the designer in Paris, which is uh, great. But in terms of the whole curation, I, I work, I still work on that very hands-on because it's something that helps me put my mind on, on a different project. It's always very exciting and, 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 and bring that sense of character to a room that's going to impact so many people very important to me. Uh, why does it impact so many people? Because to me, and, and an office building, for example, because I've done, I've done a few in New York, these common areas is for them to, to be able to unplug totally. Uh, mm -hmm. In between meetings, you can go there and just uh, sit there and, and, and look at the library or, or just be in this room and, and get inspired by colors, by fonts, by subject matters, and, and you just open a book and, 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 you know, get lost in it and, and, and an idea is going to pop by in your head. And, and this is the whole idea of that, of this impact. Um, more and more now that we have more bandwidth, we're not just focusing on the curation of the books, uh, we're working on the full library as the room. Right. So um, that comes with the, the coffee table or just the table in general for office meetings as well, but the carpet and uh, and, uh, and the fixtures as well. So what, what is the price range? What can it range from to create a custom collection? So usually uh, we start at 25,000. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, it's uh, very luxury uh, properties in general because after, before that it's supposed to be uh, too small to actually you know, deliver a good experience as the room. Uh, we started to, you know, in terms of books and and uh, and, uh, and furniture as well. Asseline began its retail journey by opening branded shop and shops, starting you know back in two thousand three with Bergdorf Goodman in New York City, and since then the brand has established a slew of international exclusive boutiques and these shop and shops in prominent locations around the globe. You know, in upscale department stores, hotels, etc. And in 2014, you opened up the Maison Asseline in London, its first international flagship store. How much of your business is generated at the physical stores versus online? So online is definitely growing. As I told you, uh, five years ago, six, six years ago when I joined, uh, it was close to nothing. So now we're starting to develop a little bit on the digital front and bringing more and more features. Mm -hmm. um, but for now, you know, it, it's still at a, at a healthy rate of about 20%. And you're looking to expand your retail footprint in uh, 2022? Yes. January 11th, we're just opening the, a, a big pop-up at the Samaritan. 
it's uh, something I'm very excited about because I've been working on it with uh, with my father for about uh, four mm -hmm. to five months, and uh, it's uh, about fifteen hundred square feet mm -hmm. and the ground floor, and it's in the at the center of Dior, Vuitton, Gucci, uh, Saint Laurent, uh, Bottega, Veneta. You see, wow. so you're uh, in good company. Exactly. So we're not we're not a traditional publisher, and we're really explaining that to to the world with this. And as you explained at the beginning, you know, I wouldn't say compete, but we weren't the same league as as these luxury brands are not in publishing, and it's more of the accessory aspect. Um, so with this, we're really explaining that uh, we have a lot parts of storytelling on uh, the ultimate collection and how it's made. And, and a lot of videos and, and a lot of things of the travel series as well. So I really encourage you to go see images or, or even visit it because we're really, really proud of this. Um, we are definitely uh, on track to open more retail stores. Uh, now we found the right retail formula that we spent the past uh, two years uh, revisiting. Uh, Asia is going to be a big push for us as well in the next few mm -hmm. years. We started a new uh, concept of the branded corners that now uh, is fully functional. And we opened two in uh, December 2021 that have been, I mean, they sold 50% of their stock the first day. So, you know, it's, it's starting to be very interesting to, to see the, 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 the brand development on, on, on that direction uh, of a branded aspect. You know, we're not here to sell a book here and a book there. Uh, at Barnes and Nobles, for example, we are here to explain the brand to our clients, uh, to show our newness, to show the collections, and to do all this with like a, a red wall and a big uh, brass logo. And in the late 1990s, I don't know, early 2000s, I imagine most of Asseline's business was based in France. Is much of the business now generated in the US? So we moved to New York from Paris in 2007. When I was still uh, just in high school, um, and from there we started making a big push in the U.S. and, and developing uh, more of the office there, of course, to be able to uh, to scale up because all the books were in English from permanently. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was our focus: right. develop the U.S. because we saw that there was a big opportunity for us, and that's why I mean my parents did, of course, because I was still in high school but um, to move to the US because the market was there. So we did that. Th that was about, you know, 70% US based, I would say, uh, and working a lot with distributors as well, which were, you know, the remainder of the, of the percent, I would say. Uh, distributors worldwide between Australia and then France and then, you know, UK and Latin America and, and so on. Um, now we come to a point where we have a clear understanding of where we're going as a brand. And in terms of distribution, so we scale back totally all the distributors. So now we control our market. And this is how, you know, this big push about being a luxury brand is very important for us because we want right. to know all of our customers. This is what we did uh, in the past uh, year. We scaled down massively. So now we only have, I think, one distributor um, in, you know, emerging markets for us. So now the U.S. represents about... 40, 45% of, of our business. And, there, and it's going to continue to, to, uh, to diminish, I would say, as we grow internationally as well. 
While the pandemic crisis has accelerated the learning of social digital skills at a mass scale, it might also have increased our appreciation again for physical experiences and physical interactions, including touching and reading physical magazines and books. They're essentially positive and optimistic environments for, for humans. Um, were, you finding, were you finding customers turning to your luxury coffee table books to indulge in their passions and spruce up their living space during lockdown? So it, it depends which age group. Huh? It's with the metaverse. <laughs> you're not sure where you're going on that. My age group and above are still not, uh, not there yet. So uh, yes, the, the past two years have been very important for everyone to start working on uh, their space, uh, you know, decorating their space, having something that is more you know, tangible, touchy feelings as well. And that's why... Uh, in the past few years, we, we, we've seen that trend going to, uh, you know, you have the digital aspect and, and after that, you need more, more the tangible physical, but with more senses. Three, four years ago, we really saw that and we stopped at 90% working with uh, paper jackets mm -hmm. for the books. So now we introduced uh, covers in uh, silk mostly, uh, linen, uh, cloth, velvet, uh, wood. So the whole tactical aspect is very, very important on the products because really 95% of the time they're closed um, and, and you want this to, to live well in your space and, and just the touchy feeling of it is very important. Uh, now I, I've seen a lot of, um, of, of push on the physical side, even with the ultimate collections, you know, People are really uh, investing in these things because they, they understand the, the value of the craftsmanship more and more as everything gets digital. So what role do you think coffee table books play in the digital first age? They're here to explain it to, you know. Um, they're here to, to be the, the opposite of it, but um, you will never have that step. I mean, you'll never. It's, it's, it's the exact polar opposite, okay? And you will never find something of that sort uh, to be able to see with your own eyes the quality of uh, pictures, the quality mm -hmm. of uh, colors and the prints of it that actually brings you emotion. Because on the digital front, you're going to see, you consume knowledge to an extent that is impossible to, to quantify. You're on Instagram, you scroll, you scroll, you scroll, and I can say that 16,000 more times, and that's every hour, you know. Being able to take a book and, and unplug totally from that and have this aspect of, of touchy feeling there and then to see the actual quality of, of, of color and, and to see the whole storytelling of that just synthesized on, 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 on that luxury object, to me, is very important. Talking about the younger generation before, so how do you get the Instagram generation to care about beautiful coffee table books, your future customers? So the Instagram generation, I think it's it's already well on track. The TikTok generation is something that is different as well. This is something that I have to, to start looking into. The Instagram generation was really the travel series that made that push, okay? Uh, now I keep scrolling on my feed and, and, and I see it, I, I see these titles everywhere and I'm really happy to see that and 
it, it brings a lot of uh, of joy uh, to people when they receive one as well. So I'm 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 really really happy to see uh, that direction. Um, and I would say that this Instagram demographic is for the travel series. This aspect of the younger generation of the Gen Z is something that I still would like to understand more and try to, as much as possible, find the right um, cultural pieces uh, and, and, and projects that would interest them as much as possible, even mm -hmm. if it has digital components on top of it. And, and that's what my new role is about, is really about finding what's next. Asseline's limited edition, The Impossible Collection of Cars, comes in a black tire rubber clamshell box and the impossible collection of cigars comes in a functional humidor. Whether it's competition or the age we're living in, we're starting to see more publishers experimenting with other enhancements to coffee table books, holograms, historical objects packaged inside of it, you know, behind the scenes images, et cetera. Will Asseline be upping its investment in these kinds of bells and whistles to add more attention and value to its books? This is all we're about. We, we are making the most beautiful packaging for books uh, there is, and I'm really happy and proud to say it. And we're going to continue on that direction and to push our limits. So if you see uh, just in the last few months and the next few months, what we're working on, um, I can give you a few, a few examples. For example, we, we, we did a book on Versailles, beautiful ultimate book on Versailles, but then we did a special edition. The special edition, we found beautiful fabric, uh, velvet fabric from, uh, from the market in, in Paris. Um, and then we, we created a huge like, metal, uh, of uh, Louis XIV uh, in, in um, how do you say, in resin, but like, you know, you can see the, the face in 3D basically. And it, it's, you know, it's a 15 kilo book. Huh? But on top of that, so it's absolutely stunning. When you purchase the book, you have a private tour of Versailles hmm. for the, in the places that are not open to the public. Wow. For you and, uh, you know, your partner or, or family. Um, and we did a hundred of these. And these are the kind of things that we're going to start developing more experience with the titles. So we're going to potentially at one point play with, uh, with the ideas of NFTs and, and experiences that come with it and everything, but we're not there yet. But more and more, I want to focus on, on that aspect of the product. Uh, we did the book on Formula One, as I told you earlier. Open the book, we created um, uh, a scented spray uh, that has that smells the tires. So when you open the book, you smell the tires of, of the car. So you're fully immersed. Yeah. And this is the whole idea of, of where we're going. We're bringing all the senses to you. This is a very, very, very passion of mine and something I really wanted to do for a long time. But Prosper has been a, a genius in this aspect of packaging. And, uh, and it's really, you know, always, always looking at what's next and to go forward into these things. And like many industries, the book industry has been thrown into chaos over supply chain delays. How has the supply chain challenges impacted Asseline? It's been very um, challenging, of course. Uh, there's a big shortage of paper everywhere everywhere around the world we're trying to navigate on that as much as possible you know uh, 
most of our printing is made in Italy with a, a, with a partner that we have there. And uh, yes, just trying to advocate as much as possible. But, uh, uh, you know, it's different types of paper every time that you need for a certain collection. So right. we're going to be in favor of like a certain collection that there's enough paper on for this rather than others. We're working a lot on like this aspect of sustainability too. So we need to still have like the right amount of paper, which is and 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 well uh, sourced, um, which is challenging as well. You see, um, because then there's even more uh, shortage on this front. We're navigating through it. Uh, with our increased volume because of development, it's been challenging, but uh, it's fine. We're finding resources in, in, in other fronts as well. I told you we, we're starting to look at uh, developing objects and, uh, and candles as well um, for later this year. So what can we, yeah, so what can we expect from Asseline over the next 12 months? I'm, I'm just excited about the development in general. Um, this. Uh, Kindle collection that we're we're in the process of developing is going to be very important for me because I've been working on it for a long time. There's going to be uh, new corners opening around the world. As, new as I told you earlier, yep. we just opened two in December, but one was in Manila and one was in uh, Belgrade. You know, so it's really different um, locations that we're not especially in. So we're going to start working a lot more on on being present in every major city around the world with. Uh, either a corner or like a, a big place of, of distribution as well, where we're going to have a, you know, uh, a good range of our titles. China is going to be a new, uh, a new challenge for me because uh, I've been trained to, to work on this aspect of censorship and on development right. for the last few years, uh, which has been also challenging for, for the publishing world for the past uh, six to nine months as they implemented more regulations, but um, very excited because I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great market. So my final question, Alex, is the luxury item question, which I ask all my guests. If you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only have one <laughs> luxury item with you, what would that luxury item be? It can't be any form of air transportation or anything that requires mobile service. It's just you sand, a few palm trees, surrounded by water. What would that one luxury item you would have with you? My, my Zenith watch. So I'm mm -hmm. absolutely fully in love with this watch that you know I've had my eyes on since I was 18, 19. I saved up and saved up with like a few jobs that I had and then I started working and everything. And I finally got it for myself like 10, eight to 10 years later. So that to me is really the definition of success, you know, because you have something and you work so hard for it and, and uh, finally got it. So now I, I, I never let go of it. Even when I don't wear it, it's in my pocket. If you see it, it's, it's uh, El Primero Chronomaster one. So it's uh, open in, uh, inside. So you see the movement. Okay. And when I look at it, uh, I stare at it, I, I get lost in this movement. And I get lost in time with it. So being on the desert island for that it would be great as well there. And you know, if everything goes south, I can always trade it um, if there's some other people. But I, I absolutely love this, and it's um, it's my uh, my lucky object too. That's lucky great luxury object. Alex Asseline, Chief of Operations, Brand and Strategy at Asseline Publishing. Thank you so much for joining me on the luxury item. Thank you, Scott. 
That's it for this episode of the Luxury Item Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this useful and entertaining, I would be really grateful if you can share it with a friend or colleague. I would love it if you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other listeners find us. The Luxury Item Podcast is a production of Silvertone Consulting. I'm your host, Scott Kerr. Until next time.